Hello and welcome to the Childhood Evolved podcast. I'm your host, Teacher Alex. So in our first two episodes, we talked about high-quality preschool programs, daycare, childcare, all that early childhood stuff. We talked about how to identify strong programs, what are the factors that are super important, how to find these schools, how to tour them, what questions to ask on the tour, how to get in or how to at least increase your odds of getting in. And in this third episode of this series on early childhood programs, we're going to talk more about when you already have a program, your child's already in daycare, preschool, and you want to improve their day-to-day experience, improve the quality. Maybe you love your program. Maybe you're not so sure. Maybe you're even on the fence about bailing out, finding a new school, but you're not sure where to draw the line. So we're going to dive into that today. So how do you know when to stick it out, when this is a good fit, or when it really is kind of bad enough that you should bail out? Now, I mentioned in an earlier episode, early childhood is really all about these critical periods of development. So a lot of quality development or damage can be done in a short amount of time at these young ages. I mean, how many of us remember one comment or one situation as a child that really stuck and impacted us for life in a good way, in a bad way or whatever? So in this case, I would really try to follow your gut. Your instincts are going to tell you when something is off, when something is wrong, when your child isn't thriving and when a change is needed. Perhaps you need a different school, or maybe you don't have to jump to this right away. Maybe you need a change in classrooms or another change in your school, and that'll kind of help the situation or at least buy you time to think about it and decide what to do. But I wouldn't kind of just assume everything's okay or it's not that bad and kind of rush it off. You know, these are really critical years, and even if it's a couple months or a few months and you're just kind of sticking it out, really take a look at it. Because even if you're not going to change schools or change classrooms, there's a lot you can do to advocate for your child and to make sure they're getting what they need, that you're doing everything possible. And I can tell you that the squeaky wheel does get the oil. Programs are going to respond to the parents who are coming in, asking questions and kind of making demands for things they want to see for their child. So there's a lot you can do with that. And we'll get into that in today's episode. So like I said, there's a lot you can do to impact your child's day-to-day life at school. Teaching and caring for young children is a partnership between school and home. And a good school with highly trained teachers is going to be open to this. There's always going to be boundaries, of course. And hopefully the school's been upfront on those boundaries, maybe on the tour or an orientation. They're letting you know what their philosophy is in their school. And you have to ask yourself if it's a good fit or not. And so if you know walking in, For example, that this school has a policy of letting children get messy. And this has come up for me a lot at more than one school. Like we allow our children to play in mud and paint their face. And it's a big part of our curriculum. So if you're the parent that's going to pick up your child and feel a little squeamish or a little upset that they're quote unquote dirty or whatever, it wouldn't be the right time to start complaining about that when this has come out on the tour and the school's really told you ahead of time that this is a big deal for them, right? So hopefully some of those expectations and boundaries have been set up front before you sign up for this school. But after that, it's a partnership. It's working together to deal with situations as they come up to make plans to support children mutually in a way that's respectful of the values of the family and and what you want and what you see at home. You know, in a parent-teacher conference, if the school is going to share all this stuff that they're seeing at school and the development they're seeing in the child and all their expertise and you know, it's all really great. 
Are they asking questions of you? What do you see at home? What is your perspective? You know, you're the child's first and best teacher. Uh, teachers are experts on children, but you're the expert on your child. You've been with that child since birth or since adoption or whenever you became a family. And you know more about that child, about your child than anyone else in the world. So you really want to see that back and forth from the beginning. And hopefully you've had a chance to kind of pick a school that values that, right? But even if not, it's still the case that the squeaky wheel gets the oil. Don't be afraid to ask questions. You know, and the parents that I've seen have gotten on the nerves of staff or been a problem or whatever. It hasn't been the questions that they're asking or even the amount of questions, but it's really more about the time and the place or the repetition. Like some parents will come up to you when you're on the yard and you're watching 30 kids and trying to keep them safe and it's just really not a good moment for you to talk. And when you explain that to parents, most of the time they get it, they'll set up a time to talk or have a phone call or send an email, whatever works for them. Some parents will ask you the same questions and you've kind of answered it and they kind of aren't feeling resolved about it. But instead of trying to figure out how to get to a deeper place and resolve it, they'll ask you the same question over and over. Or they'll go, this is more common, they'll go around and ask other teachers or other staff members the same question. You know, maybe it's about a policy or maybe it's about how do you think so-and-so is doing at school and are other children nice to her and, and playing with her and what do you think? And so kind of going around the school and maybe accepting a different answer or whatever. Those are things that can be hard and they can kind of hurt the relationship because what we really want to do in early childhood is be able to do these relationships. I mean, all the time, but especially if you're in a school where your child is starting from a really young age from infancy or from the age of two or three, and they're going to be there for years and years, and maybe you have other children, siblings, so you're going to have a relationship with this school over many, many years. You really want to build and strengthen those relationships so that they're built on mutual trust, so that when problems come up, there is not a lack of trust, which can lead to misunderstandings. You want them to know who you are, and you kind of want to know who they are. So really find the time and place that are going to work for you to connect with your child's teacher. And it depends on your preferences and that depends on the school. It might be sending an email or it might be just sending an email to set up a time to talk or it might be a phone call. And then ask the questions that are on your mind. Don't be afraid to just get it out there. If you want advice, ask for it. The teacher may or may not be a parent at all. They may or may not have expertise in the area. But you know what? The advice is yours to take or leave and you can take from it what works for you and leave the rest. Another thing that you want to keep in the forefront of your mind when situations come up with your child is forming a mutual plan with the school or with the teacher. You can say, hey, I noticed this isn't really working for me. Can we come up with a new way to approach this? This often happens at drop-off time in the morning, especially when your child is, is new and young and, and getting used to the school or getting used to school in general. They may be very upset and crying and you have to go to work. You have to go wherever it is you need to be. And so you leave that child with those teachers and your child's crying. And it's the last thing you see every day when you're dropping off. And that can be really hard for parents. And so knowing what the plan is, like what is what is going to happen after you leave? How long is your child generally taking to calm down and reestablish themselves? And there's there's a wide range of what is normal with this. There's children that will start school in August or September and pretty much cry the entire fall. 
there's seems to be one or two children every year that are kind of in that pattern. And there's children who will never cry at all and seem fine with it. And there's everything in between. So this is an example of, of one way we can come up with a plan to support the child mutually. And maybe you even write it down. And there's two or three steps. We get to school. Mommy, daddy, whoever spends five minutes reading. And then I say goodbye. So that's three steps. And you come up with it with the teacher. You write it down. Maybe you copy the paper. So there's one at home or in the car, one at school. And there you're working together. You formed a plan to support your child. I've worked also with parents who are faced with other kinds of situations where they're not really happy with the way staff are talking to them or talking to their children or handling things like discipline or bathroom time or lunchtime. And so I would say do what you can with the teacher. Talk to them. Ask questions to try to get to the bottom of what's going on. And if you're still not feeling resolved with it, like don't stop there. Go talk to the administrators or go talk to the office and try to lay out your concerns in a way that is open-minded and kind of willing to see where they're coming from and their reasons and things like that. But also, you're the advocate for your child, right? And so you're not going to give up or just accept what they say because along with the squeaky wheel getting the oil, schools are running a program for a lot of children and there's a million things that are going on each and every single day. And so whatever the issue is with your child, they may want to get it resolved as quickly as possible with as little effort as possible. And there it may be a small problem with an easy fix. It may be something a staff member is doing they're unaware of or they need a little more training on. Or it could be a much larger problem where the school really isn't training their staff in this area or training their staff at all. And so you're going to want to go down that road of doing what you can to advocate for your child and to continue asking questions, to continue like showing up in that office or sending the email or whatever the case may be, to try and see a change, a positive change in the situation. And if you're asking yourself if the school is a good fit or not, and there's something that's just not working out for you, if you've done this process of trying to advocate and affect change for your child and nothing's happened and it hasn't worked out, then you'll be in a better position to feel confident in making that change. But along with that, I would say ask questions when you can, because as a teacher, especially as a young new teacher, I've had times when parents were upset about a situation, but I didn't really know about it. And I'd hear about it later on from my boss. Like my first, it might've been my first week or my first month of teaching. Uh, I remember my boss coming in and saying, asking if I could not let children get all wet right before pickup at five o'clock because parents were getting irritated that they're coming to pick their kids up and they're all wet. And of course I was like, sure, there's no problem at all. I, I didn't even think of that. And I remember feeling a little bit, I don't know, sad, upset, whatever, not in a major way, but I, I wish the parents would have just been able to come and ask me and I could have just said yes and accommodated them. Of course, like I say, I was brand new to the to the school and they didn't really know me, so maybe they didn't feel comfortable yet, which just loops back around to my one of my biggest points, which is that you want to form these relationships that are built on mutual trust. You don't want to just walk in and automatically trust everything that's going on because people are look like they're smiling or it seems like a clean environment or whatever. You You don't want to be too mistrustful, but you don't want to be too trustful either. You want to have that healthy dose of skepticism because I've seen this a lot throughout my entire career, which is that, like I said in my last episode about tours, we're going to put our best foot forward when we're being observed. We're going to be really nice and friendly at pickup time and at drop-off time. 
And it's not that teachers are manipulative or, or trying to be bad or anything like that, but it's a hard job and it's easy to get overwhelmed and it's easy to fall into a pattern of being controlling or or tired and worn out and maybe even a little snappy or whatever. These things happen and you don't want to just assume that what you're seeing, what's presented to you is really the reality. You want to dig a little deeper and kind of trust your gut and listen to what you're feeling inside about the situation. So I think asking the questions and trying to clarify what's going on first can be really helpful because I've seen many, many times where parents get really upset over an issue that isn't that big or, or doesn't even exist. I've had parents come in and they're all worked up because their child is being asked to sleep and they're not tired and it's it's this big power struggle and they talk and talk and talk and then when you can get a word and you say, well, you know, your child actually comes in and falls asleep on their own. Um, and so I don't know what you're talking about. Like, yes, some children do have a hard time sleeping and it, it's hard because we're asking them to rest their body or whatever, but not your child. And so they're all worked up. And I've had other times where parents are really worked up about, from my point of view, what seems like little things. They're not little things to that parent. And maybe it's reminding of something, them of something from their own childhood or whatever the case may be. So try to check that uh, urge to make something a much bigger deal than it needs to be. But there's the flip side is true as well that I've seen a lot in my career where parents kind of maybe don't want to look a little deeper. It's it's scary or it's overwhelming or they don't know what to do about it. They're just kind of biding their time to get out of the school and they just kind of say everything's fine or I don't think it's really that big a deal. And maybe it really is a big deal and you want to address the issue. So kind of trying to figure out how to be in the middle and not overreact, not underreact is really important. And sometimes you just need to continue kind of pressing your point in a respectful, polite way and kind of not not be talked out of it. There was one year in my career where a parent really felt like they wanted their child to walk the stage for graduation, which again, it's it was a big deal to them. It wouldn't You wouldn't think that it's necessarily the biggest thing in the world with a four-year-old, but to them it was really a big deal. And our school's policy was to have certain children walking the stage I think it was something about if they're going to kindergarten versus they're moving on for other reasons. But this family, it was really important to them, and they presented a strong argument. They really cared about it. And at the end of the day, this school, which was not known for changing its policies or kind of giving in to these sort of parent requests, they didn't really do that. But in this case, they did because the argument was sound, and it made sense. And so not only did they let that child walk the stage for graduation, but they changed their policy for subsequent years and so this child i'm sorry this family by advocating for their child not only helped them out they helped everyone out and really helped improve the quality of the school for everyone and so you may or may not have that kind of community mindset of let's make the world a better place for everyone let's make the school a better place for everyone it's also okay to be busy and have your own life and you're there for your kid and you want to advocate for them but it, it can be something really helpful to point out what you see, especially if you're the kind of person that's sensitive and tuned in or more knowledgeable about what goes on in child development or preschool to other parents who they don't see it. Maybe they don't have as much time and they're not, they're not the ones dropping off or spending time in the school or they're not as well informed. And so you can be the one to not only advocate for your child, but to advocate for all the kids in the school and for the program as a whole. And most of the programs that I've worked for over the years have evolved over the time that I've spent 
I've, I've evolved over the time that I've spent as a teacher. And you go to workshops, you take classes, and you encounter situations as you go along. And so you grow, and the programs grow. And you can be a part of that, depending on the school and how much they include parents. But you can be a part of helping the whole program kind of see where its strengths are and where its flaws are and where, where their areas are to improve. And if you have an area that's affecting your child and maybe affecting other kids too, maybe you can get a few parents together, kind of band together on the issue and really get together and ask the school for what you want. Maybe you know what you want. Maybe you know what the change is that you want to see, or maybe you don't. Maybe it's outside of your area of expertise. Maybe you'd like to see the staff have additional training in an area, such as food and how to handle children in eating or, or discipline or whatever. Don't be afraid to go out there. Just get it out there. Get your questions out there. Get your concerns out there and politely refuse to back down when it comes to your child. Like I said, when you're sure that you've picked an issue that actually is a big deal or a medium-sized deal and not something that maybe you can let go of. Everyone has to decide for themselves which category their their needs fall into. I would encourage you to do a little bit of self-reflecting on that as well and not to back down. And that's it for today. Thanks for sticking it out, and uh, we'll see you next time.